Welcome to Rumble Strip. This is Erica Heilman. They're helping people because they're like, there but for the grace of God go I, and I'm going to help people as long as I can. If they weren't doing that, who would be feeding people? Like if everybody that's working in a food pantry that's a volunteer not being paid said, I'm going home, you're on your own, how would we feed the people that don't have enough food? That was Lisa Pitcher, who runs Our Place, the community food shelf in Bellows Falls, Vermont. Last year, I made a show called Too Much Month at the End of the Money. It was a show about what it's like to live with chronic food insecurity, or hunger, if you want to be more explicit about it. I interviewed people at food shelves and at community meal sites, and I meant to follow up with a show about how the charitable food system works, or how it's working here in Vermont. But there's something really hard about the subject of hunger. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that hunger is just not a very exciting topic. In fact, it's kind of boring. Maybe it's boring because it's hard to care about a problem that shouldn't be a problem. And because it shouldn't be a problem, I sort of assume it's not a problem. Or not really. Or maybe since there's enough food to feed everyone in this country 10 times over, maybe since hunger is so obviously a systems problem, a distribution problem, I just figure it'll get solved any day now by systems people. But it's not, and according to all of the people I've spoken with, the lines are getting longer at food shelves and community meal sites. And I did make a show, and the people I talked with are not boring. They're tired, but they're not boring. In this show, you'll hear from Ernie LaRock, who does a weekly pickup at Hannaford's for the Swanton Food Shelf, and Marge Taylor, who volunteers her time managing that food shelf. You'll hear again from Lisa Pitcher down in Bellows Falls, and you'll hear from Judy Sturmer of the Vermont Food Bank, the largest supplier to food shelves and meal sites around the state. Here's Ernie LaRock. We're going to Hannaford's and pick up all of the meat that is soon to be outdated. We're going to go pick it up and we're going to bring it back to the food shelf here and we're going to put it in the freezers so next Tuesday when everybody comes in they're going to get their share of the meat. And will there be an, is there enough meat for everybody? All in all, everybody gets a dip in the food. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Do you have an opinion about the people who don't have money to buy food? Not really. They're struggling to survive, you know. They're not fortunate enough to be blessed with a lot of money or people with money in the family to help them out. And they got little kids to be fed, you know. Okay, we are here. We're going to go in there and we're going to get that meat. Okay, I'm Marge Taylor. I live here in Swanton, Vermont. And uh, I started probably six years ago, but I wasn't manager. I just came in as a volunteer. And then as the years went by, certain ones would get done. So the last three years, I've been manager. And uh, I'm 84 years old. And I had a back problem. And it does consist of a lot of lifting. You're lifting on cases of stuff to stock your shelves. And uh, with my back and stuff like that, I just figured that it was time that, you know, somebody else took it over. So... After I'd gotten done, there was a lady that took over the food shelf, and uh, she did it for six months, and she did a wonderful job. The only thing was, she found that it was taking all her time, 
and she didn't have time to do the other things that she'd like to do with her friends and stuff like that. So she got done at the end of December. And of course, I wasn't going to see the food shelf go down. I mean, somebody had to be here, so I came back. I just don't want to see it go downhill. Take this cart. We're going to sit down here. Now, is this before the I go into the coolers where the meat is, I got to go get somebody from personnel for permission with their company to go in there. That way they are only take the food that has been set aside for the food shelf. I don't help myself to something else because nobody's going to quarrel with me when I go out of here. And I'm a trustworthy person. You know, we're seeing more and more people access our services. That's Judy Sturmer of the Vermont Food Bank. This year, we'll see about 153,000 people visit a food shelf or a meal site. And one in four Vermonters are going to access a food shelf or meal site. Folks are visiting us not once, not, not twice, but on average eight and a half times a year. And food banks, we always thought about ourselves as emergency food. Eight and a half times a year doesn't sound like an emergency. Charitable food is, has become a staple uh, for folks in feeding their families. That's what the charitable food system was set up. After a hurricane or, you know, after an earthquake or some kind of disaster, we were emergency food. Or we were emergency food like you lost your job or, you know, your house burned down. We were emergency food. We're not emergency food. We haven't been emergency food for years. We are sustainable food. We are, if people can't come here to get food, they go hungry. And we have people that are working that come in here. Lots of people that work. Lots and lots and lots. And people people just don't have a perception. Like one really nice guy, he was here with the truck one day and he was saying, don't people know that we're feeding the homeless? And I was like, only about 3% of the people that we serve out of this building are homeless. The rest have places to live. They just don't have enough money. You know, they pay their rent, they pay their utilities. If they're lucky, they have a car. If they're lucky, I mean, it's really expensive to have a car. They just don't have enough money. They're really trying hard, and they've done what they were told to do. But either they've aged out of being able to do the work they did if they did physical labor, and now they're in their 50s, and, you know, they can't go put roofing on a house anymore, or they can't... Um, clean houses and, and hotels. I mean, it wears your body down. So what are they supposed to do? And they end up with incomes of $800 a month. They can't make it. And, and we just say year after year after year, well, that's just the way it is. I think people want to believe that you only live in poverty if you did something wrong because they don't want to think it can happen to them. What we're going to do, we're going to weigh these boxes individually. Mark, do you want to write it down? Yeah. Okay, that one's 22. 22, and that's under me. You see the variety, though? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the best. And for those people that don't have the privilege of living a relatively good life because their finances, they're getting a really good shake here. You know what I'm saying? I remember I had a, I had a boss here at the food bank who who talked about the folks that we serve as the canaries in the coal mine. 
you know, sort of before that economic recession happened, we saw this spike happening in charitable food. And then the recession came. And what we've also seen is that our, our clients are the lagging indicators of improved economy, you know, so they're the last folks who are getting back up on their feet and getting jobs. I mean, we know that about 64% of the people visiting a food shelf or a meal site have been employed in the last 12 months. But the reality is at the same time, what's happening is this line is getting longer. People are struggling more and more. The The disparity between rich and poor is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and so that line is getting longer. So while we're, we're providing more services and doing better work, we're, we're seeing this line grow. And what we need to, to see is the line shrink. Um, you know, when I came to the food bank, I saw food banks as band-aids. You know, you're just like, it's just a stopgap measure. You're putting a band-aid on a problem. You're not healing the issue. You know, you're not healing anything. You're just, you're putting a band-aid. And actually, maybe what you're doing is you're allowing the federal government to not do what they need to be doing. You're, you're, you've created this system here of, we, we call it baby catching, you know. It's like this idea that there are all these babies floating down the river and there's this village and it starts catching these babies and then like all this industry pops up around baby catching like well we need diapers for the babies and we need clothing for the babies and how are we going to take care of these babies and like one day someone's like well, maybe we should go up river and like see why the babies are coming down the river food banks are baby catchers like we're we're here at the end of the line when people come to us they're hungry and we're feeding them and we're just feeding them we're feeding them today we're feeding them tomorrow we're feeding them the next day why are people coming to us why are they hungry we have to be asking that question why are people coming to us because if we don't ask that question we we're not going to be able to keep up we're going to fail you don't realize how many people are in need and when you see a lady come in and she's got two little small children and you can see the way they're dressed and stuff like that not to criticize nobody but you can see that they really need the food we've had an elderly gentleman come in and his wife is still working she's in her 70s and she's doing cleaning and uh, he is unable to do it so he come in to get groceries and I'd always have another one of our volunteers go out and help him put his stuff in the car because he'd come in with a walker. And when that man would get out there and putting the stuff in his car, he'd be crying because he had to come to the food shelf. The older people, you know, they're proud, and I wish there were more elderly people that, that really need it that would come to the food shelf. But a lot, they're they're proud and they they feel but that's what we're here for and we have the food and we're I just wish they'd come what we're dealing with is poverty right I mean the charitable food system is kind of like the front lines of poverty you know people say oh you're doing such good work you're you know you're you're really helping people that are in need and I'm like this is stupid work actually it's really stupid why do I have to go to work and raise money from a lot of different people, a lot of foundations to feed people in the United States of America, you know? People say to me, well, you know, it makes, them, makes the volunteers feel good to do that work. And I said, up to a certain extent, I believe that's, that's absolutely true. But I also know from talking to the people that are actually doing it that they're getting very frustrated 
that they see more and more people. Like, why are our numbers still going up? Why? Um, why? Why are? Why is it getting? Why is it not getting better? Week after week, year after year, how do you keep doing this? How do you keep hauling all this food to the food pantries? And and so many of the women are getting into their seventies, and they are hauling food into the food pantries, and they are cooking meals every week. Thousands of meals being served, and I. These, most of the women are in their 70s that are doing this work, and they're getting tired. They have told me in meetings, you got to find us some younger volunteers. And, then, and they know, they say, young people are too busy working. You know, they got more than one job. They've got kids. They, they can't do this work, but they can't keep it up. And they're starting to look around and saying, who's behind us? Who's going to take over? Okay. Let me just get this bend divided up into chicken, poultry. These are all steaks. Every week it gets filled up. And then every week somebody new from being on the roster to be allowed food will come in here. And it all depends on how big the family is as to how much they get. You know, the larger families, we try to give them the roast. I do believe that Vermont is a place where people care about their neighbors. I think people want to learn about what's going on in their communities. I think people want to have that awareness. That's been my job for 11 years, helping to create that awareness, right? To help, help let people know that there is a way to get involved. You know, for me, food is, it's the way that I connect with people. It's the way that I express my gratitude to people. Um, so when I really stop and think, when I stop writing press releases and stop updating the website and stop responding to calls from reporters, and I really think about what we're trying to accomplish here and what, for 11 years, we haven't accomplished, um, I think what I, what I feel most deeply is how not everyone in, in my community, in my state, in my country, will celebrate food the way I do. I've told my staff, you know, that if it gets really bad out there, who knows, you know? I mean, we're all a little bit on edge, right, with the, everything that's going on with the political system. and. Just the whole world seems kind of crazy to some of us these days. When it comes down to it, like, if, if it really gets bad, I'm going home to take care of my family. Because that's what we all want to do. How do you look at your family? Is your family, like, just your brother and your sister and your mother and your father? Or is your family your cousins? Is your family the people you work with? We all want to take care of our family. It depends on how you draw the line around your family, I guess. I mean, years, years ago, you know, you knew all your neighbors. We could go up and down every street here and know who lived there. But you don't anymore. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say people aren't as friendly, but I think they're too busy. I think we're all, you know, we're on the go all the time and, uh, we don't have the time to do what we used to do years ago. And uh, 
I guess we just have to try to do the best we can and hope for the best. <laughs> Maybe another reason hunger is a boring topic is that it's so close to where I live. Since Trump was elected, I've been reading the news like seven or eight times a day, and my capacity for moral outrage seems limitless. I don't like feeling moral outrage, but it is a really clear feeling. But for some reason, I'm not as informed about problems on my road, in my town, in my state. Problems that are relentless and complex and usually involve poverty in one way or another. I think I'm actually overwhelmed at the idea that if I left my house and I walked less than two miles, I'd pass a few houses where people aren't getting enough to eat. And this would have been true five years ago and 35 years ago. So I guess when I say hunger is boring, I really mean that it's hard. It's close and complicated and personal. And if I do something about it today, I'll probably have to do something about it tomorrow. But I asked one of the people I interviewed for this story what people can do that's useful and doable. Most grocery stores have donation containers at the checkout, and that food really does get to food shelves, and it's very useful. She puts things in the box whenever she goes to the store, and she'll look for two-for-one sales and just put one of the items in the box. She also encourages people to share the weight in local volunteer efforts like food shelves so people like Marge can teach us how to do it, and then maybe she can put her feet up. And since it looks like federal funding for meal programs and food stamps might get cut soon, it's also a really good time to make donations to your food shelves and area food banks. And the last thing she said is, don't be afraid to pay attention to your neighbors. Music for this show is by Vermont musicians Brian Clark and Mike D'Onofrio. If you have a comment on the show, I'd love to hear it. Just go to my website, rumblestripvermont.com. Also, if you make a comment on iTunes, that helps new listeners find the show. And if you want to make a donation to the show, that is always welcome. There's a green donate button at the top, in the top right corner of my website. Again, the website is rumblestripvermont.com. Rumblestrip is a proud member of The Herd, a collective of wonderful podcast producers from all around the country. You can learn more about The Herd at theherdradio.com. This is Rumblestrip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>